everyone. I'm here with Jamie and Julian from the Anna Freud National Centre for Children and Families um, and all sorts of other amazing um, organisations and websites, some of which we're going to talk about. You've just given your talk here at MindTech. Um, tell us a bit about the Mentally Healthy Schools, first of all, Jamie. That's a really um, exciting new website with a ton of resources on for people. Absolutely. So the Mentally Healthy Schools website is aimed at primary schools. It's a go-to site for anyone working in a primary school, so from senior leaders through to classroom teachers. It's also got information on there for parents and carers. Um, and really, we want it to be a resource for primary school teachers to get mental health messages into schools. What we know from schools is that they're overwhelmed with information and advice and guidance about mental health, and often they don't know which to trust. So the Mentally Healthy Schools website came about because um, the funding came from the Royal Foundation, so it's a Heads Together legacy project, and three charities have worked on it, us at the Anna Freud Centre, colleagues at Place to Be, and at Young Minds, so three child mental health charities coming together to make sure that we've got a site on which we know that all of the resources are evidence-based and can be trusted. So we looked at resources from across the world, there's about 600 resources on there, but all of those resources have an evidence base and have been through a very clear quality assurance process, both through Anafoy clinicians, through Place to Be clinicians, through teacher unions and through teacher panels, to make sure that the best of what is out there is on this site. So if you're a primary school and you go to the site, you know that it's trusted information that you can use in your school. So there's teaching resources, there's lesson plans, there's assembly plans, there's guidance, there's information to be shared with parents and carers, there's leadership advice and guidance, there's signposting, there's information for parents' evenings, for staff meetings. There's so much on there, so I really encourage people to check it out. Brilliant. And do you want to say something also about Cork, about the kind of measurements? So I guess schools are also now able to measure well-being, mm. not just in staff, uh, not just in students' role, but also in staff. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So as part of the Evidence-Based Practice Unit and the Child Outcomes Research Consortium, uh, we've developed a well-being measurement framework for schools, um, and this is based on our kind of rich experience of conducting large-scale um, survey studies with schools and community settings. So here we have a compendium of validated questionnaires for uh, primary schools, secondary schools, um, and uh, colleges and universities. Um, so schools taking part in this can um, collect data and then they get reports based on their own local data so they can get a sense of uh, the mental health of their uh, pupils. They can compare their data to data from other schools and, um, and settings. Um, and they can also look at the impact of uh, any mental health interventions on their pupils. Um, there is a really important component looking at uh, teachers' well-being. So we have measures on um, teacher stress, well-being and burnout. Um, so schools can also look at uh, the mental health of their teachers as we know that this is a really important area and for teachers to be able to support the mental health of their students, they first need to be looking after their own mental health. And you also announced a new project that you're just about to start on screen time. Tell us a bit about that. So this is a really exciting project uh, where we're trying to identify the top 10 research priorities uh, looking at the role of uh, screen time in young people's mental health. Um, so we'll be doing in the new year a range of uh, focus groups with uh, young people, parents and carers and teachers. Um, and then uh, after that we'll be taking those findings to a large uh, public consultation survey um, so a much broader uh, spectrum of the population can be uh, giving their views and prioritising from a range of different areas that are identified kind of what's the most important um, and we think this is a really uh, good project because there's a need for research in this area to be 
uh, driven by the priorities of young people. Um, so at the moment, in this first stage, we are uh, consulting with uh, networks um, and people uh, working in the field so we can hear from experts about kind of what it is that they think are important and unanswered questions um, uh, coming from the literature. So um, if anyone wants to uh, take part or contribute their views, please do get in touch. Um, and we're also uh, looking at um, uh, views that young people have already shared as part of a, a previous project. So we already have a fairly, a fairly hefty list of uh, over 60 questions that we've identified um, and it'll be great to further add that based on the views of experts. Brilliant. There does seem to be a bit of a disconnect currently between the research that's happening in that space and the questions that are important to young people that I've kind of spoken to on social media, etc. So you're hoping to kind of rectify that kind of gap in some way with this? Exactly, and I think the um, experiences of young people uh, will be producing um, different, yeah, as you say, different questions and different areas that we should be looking at. Um, and I think there are kind of emerging areas such as um, increased access to gambling online um, that's going to be really important to be looking at. Um, and I think we're only kind of starting to scratch the surface in that literature. And do you think it's all going to be about the harm that screens and screen time usage can, can, can cause? Or do you think there's going to be elements of the benefits of that as well? Uh, we absolutely want to have a kind of balanced perspective um, to, uh, to the study. And already we can see that there are um, kind of a range of positive areas uh, that are um, coming out through the questions we're already identifying. Um, I think uh, one area is um, how uh, uh, screen time and social media can support with building um, social relationships and also be uh, promoting connections with families who are geographically displaced. So um, yeah, I think the positives is, is definitely something we want to keep an eye out. We blogged about screens, teens and a hill of beans a few weeks ago. There's the, you know, the evidence that tells us nothing really at the moment and what was interesting about that blog was looking at the research most of it doesn't seem to look at what young people are actually doing on devices it just looks at the amount of time they're spending I think that's a really important limitation um, so yeah differentiating uh, personal and social screen time which we're focusing on from uh, screen time for um, uh, education, employment or training. I think that's a kind of real gap in the literature. Also, um, some of the older studies have been looking at uh, more tr traditional, as it were, types of screen time. So laptop computers and um, TVs. So there's a real gap in the impact of um, uh, smartphone and tablet usage um, and we know from the uh, recent RCPCH um, guidance which involved a, a survey of young people that they spend um, a, a, an estimated three hours a day um, just on smartphones alone so clearly this is a really important area. Really exciting project, thanks for Thank sharing. You.